0: So more people than ever are questioning the value of higher education. We're here to explore why they're right, why they're wrong, and which institutions are rising to the challenge. In season one, we're investigating the new normal created by the COVID-19 pandemic and all of the ongoing challenges in higher education. So today we're here to discuss the skills gap with our CEO and founder, Carlo Martinez. Dr. Bonnie, can you provide us with an overview of this topic? What do we mean by skills gap?
1: Absolutely, thanks Aaron. Really, trends and conversations around the skills gap have been happening on college campuses and uh, throughout uh, companies across the country for a decade or more. Uh, There's an article uh, recently from the Brookings Institute in 2019 uh, that highlighted that the nature of work is rapidly changing due to emerging technologies, disruptive forces such as artificial intelligence, the gig economy, and automation. The exact effect of these and other changes remain unknown, but one thing seems certain. The skills that employers value and rely on are changing. In turn, uh, the skills gap has developed, which employers struggle to hire appropriately trained workers. So again, throughout my career in higher education, this was a common conversation. How do we put the correct skills in the hands of students so that they can be successful in their first professional positions and beyond? Uh, And really, these issues have only been exacerbated by COVID-19, and it's likely that we'll feel the impact of these changes for years to come. I really see the responsibility for skills development uh, on all three parties. The student can work to leverage their co-curricular experiences, high impact practices, uh, et cetera, through internships to uh, ensure that they're successful. Employers can strengthen their HR and onboarding processes to ensure critical skills uh, can be trained on the job when needed. But finally, it's, it's up to institutions to work collaboratively with employers and students uh, to ensure skills are being developed in ways that maximize the success of the student and their future employers. So with that, I want to turn it over to Stepping Block CEO, Carlo Martinez, to share a bit about his perspective on the skills gap. Uh, Carlo, what do you think? Well, so I think w- what's been interesting is that when you
2: talk about skills gap, it, it skills gaps, in, it it sort of means different different things to different people, right? If you went and Googled, you know, what is a skill gap? is basically um, you know, what it, is it, is this is the gap between the skills that you have uh, at your job to be able to perform that 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 well, right? And um and, and so so and if you take that to a macro level or say, okay, what are the supply, what skills are out there in the workforce and what do employers want? And what's in the middle is what we don't have where we don't have a gap. We either have them or don't have them, or we need more of. And how, how is that being filled right now? With technology moving, uh, a lot of uh, boot camps have stepped in and accelerated the process of training people better with the right skills so they can accommodate faster. Higher education has been challenged with developing curriculum um, that actually captures that skill gap and have been partnering with other uh, these boot camps and people that generate uh, this content that can help people create and, and cover those gaps a lot faster. So it's a combination of experiences, the combination of the transforming technology. Um, so for us uh, at Stepping Blocks has been super interesting because we work, like you said, it's, it's the three you're talking with the employers, you work with the educators, you work with the students, and how do we help uh, closing that gap? Um, and what what we've uh, been able to identify is that you really need to understand the, the workforce, uh, understand people's skills at that level, understand the supply, Understand what employers are looking for as the demand, the people that are hired there, and it's really a data-driven exercise that you know everybody has to play into and understand, um, understand deeply in order to be able to succeed and 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 really play in the game.
1: Yeah, a word you said again and again there uh, throughout that, Carlo, was understand, uh, and I think it's really interesting to think about uh, the scale at which we're talking about uh, trying to develop that understanding. Uh, or really, the multiple scales. Uh, as you said, it's it's individual students understanding their skills and what they need to be successful. It's also about employers understanding at, at that macro level, uh, you know, these the skills they need for all of their staff in, in all of their various positions, and and thus even the institutions uh, at those individual and uh, macro scales to understand how they can best prepare. Uh, their students to succeed. So really interesting to to think about that understanding in multiple lenses and and from multiple perspectives. Yeah.
2: And and I just, you know, one one thing, for example, I think as anecdotally uh, recently, actually, we experienced this at stepping blocks uh, and even came up through conversations and interviews with other uh, educators was the uh, uh, one of the biggest Skill, skill gaps that we found in, even uh, after COVID is communication, right? And I actually, before, I would think that before in my, in, in my when I was in more of a technical background, uh, it wasn't seen, it didn't seem to be as important as it is now. And right now we, uh, when we hire people in, in the development teams, we actually have them take some written tests to see how they communicate, uh, how they chat, uh, how, they, how they were to communicate like this through Zoom, can they deliver a mm-hmm. message, which you never think is a skill that you look for in a data scientist or a web developer or things like that, right? Uh, and even in a conversation we had with uh, Dr. Priest at Kennesaw State, uh, it's one of the biggest gaps that they have in, in, in data science. And as they hire individuals that are highly mathematical, highly educated uh, in the field of uh, data science and algorithms, but a lot of times that's a challenge, right? And understanding that shift. Uh, and and incorporating that even something like that into into a curriculum is super critical, right? Uh, cybersecurity has massive uh, uh, workforce skills gaps, and it's an, a fully I think it's like eighty three percent men uh, is is that field that is really ruled by men right now, right? So and it's evolving uh, so rapidly that it's it's I think um, um, I, IBM is doing a massive investments in infrastructure in that space. And it's just something that um, is it, being challenged right now. So, um, you know, it's, it's just anecdotal things that are happening right now. You can really spend hours and hours talking about this. Uh, but really, the idea is to implement things and understand the data, understand the landscape so you can make a real change. And I know, I know we, we've talked. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Erin.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, I just wanted to comment that part of the problem is that Employers and institutions aren't talking to each other. And I think Dr. Priestley touched on this um from Kennesaw State in your conversation. So so how can institutions improve that? How can employers and institutions collaborate better so that they both know what the other needs and then what you know what institutions are supplying in terms of skills?
2: Yeah, and actually that I, uh, referring back to that that conversation with dr Priestley, she 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 gave a good answer, right? She was, Engaging directly and building the programs directly, engaging with those employers. So they, the university, didn't just come up with the program, right? They partnered with Equifax, Truist, uh, Home Depot, some of the biggest employers in Atlanta to identify what are the challenges and work with them to identify what are the skills that this individual need to have for you to hire them. What are the workforce and what are the industry needs that we need to train our uh, our, our our students into and by the time they graduated they were fully trained and they went to work for these companies right so i think that's a really smart way of doing it where uh, you're building your curriculum around the needs of the workforce and adjusting it dynamically so that's just a little um nugget from my conversation with dr priestley but i think if, if that's what you're doing um, you will definitely succeed and not just in the in the in technical field but really across the board i i can't imagine, uh, Jacob. You're there in Orlando. The hospitality industry is transforming, you know, 100. So, how how do people adjust? Like, uh, think uh, you know, FIU and uh, UCF. they all they have a lot big hospitality programs.
1: How do they adjust uh, outside of the traditional curriculum? Right. Yeah, I think a, a key piece to that too is triangulation. Thinking about pulling data from multiple sources in order to truly understand and, and have a good idea of what's happening. Right. So, uh, so yeah, as, as you said building that program collaboratively with employers has been really successful for data science at Kennesaw State. So so that's that sort of one-on-one communication uh, directly with employers. I think looking at uh, the skills uh, gap data that uh, we have and and kind of thinking about that uh, is really important. Um, Another great sort of piece to add to this conversation are the employers who are needing soft skills very much, like you mentioned, uh, Carlo, that communication piece, um, there's some great, uh, you know, research and and surveys that's been put together by uh, groups like NACE, uh, really exploring, you know, what are uh, what are the soft skills that uh, even technical positions are requiring. I think a really interesting piece is how those soft skills are changing uh, as a result of uh, the pandemic and and shifts in. Uh, conversation, you know, we can't physically walk uh, to each other's office and stick our head in for five minutes. And so intentionality around communication has become, I think, a lot more important and central to uh, many of those positions.
0: So how can students articulate and communicate their skills? We keep saying the word communication, but students are part of this ecosystem too. So how do they learn how, how do, how do they learn the skills that employers want and um, how do they learn to speak about those skills too? Um, in an interview, for instance.
2: Um, so, from, from basically from from what we've learned, um, traditionally they would go to their career center uh, and meet with someone there that would help them understand what it is that they need to get a job, right? Um, but now with, but but we know that only well, you know ten to twelve percent of the students actually do visit a career center, yes. uh, and <laughs> it's, I, I actually I'm the number a little bit because they're actually trying to do that more more so now. Um, but you know it—it it is it, that—that's one avenue. The—the the, the challenge is that the well, the challenge and the benefit as well is that data about about this is more available through tools like Stepping Blocks and and, and things that are out there that will actually show the students what are the skills that an employer actually needs uh, to get the job. You can see all those career paths. Um, the LinkedIn is a great way where they can model their, their, themselves after someone that they, that, that they know to be already in that position. But, you know, one of their things like what I say is data-driven success, right? I think right now our goal is to change the mindset of individuals, not just guess and keep anecdotal stories on what they think, uh, what they think the workforce is going to be, is going to look like, but they can actually, uh Strategically target the the skills and the things that they'll need to learn uh, to move on to the next opportunities. Right, right ahead of time, they can build a strategy to be successful uh, ahead of time. So, um, Jacob, from, from your perspective in in the in the universities, uh, how how what what are they doing to empower students now with um, with more of a data driven approach to get skills?
1: Yeah, I think once you have that data in hand, my first advice to students is never assume. Uh, you you can't. Uh, can't get credit for what's not on your resume uh, or not out there, what you've not developed. And so really thinking about encouraging students to one, maximize their college experience and, and you know taking great internship opportunities or getting, getting involved in co-curriculars, but then making sure that those pieces make it to the resume, uh, whether that's via transferable skills or again, you know some of the more tangible skills, especially in the tech world that folks are looking for, um, if you've used some of those programming languages in class, they should appear on your resume as such. And and really, it's, it's not assuming that, um, you know, folks, uh, employers just know what you're doing uh, without any additional context. And so that's certainly a, a big piece. I think as well, looking for the gaps and trying to identify that, whether it be, again, through, uh, you know, the data and, and tools like Stepping Blocks or uh, through conversations, uh, as you said, with um, you know, others in the field, uh, folks you aspire to be like, uh, talking to them and seeing what skills they lacked in their first pos- professional positions and then trying to identify, you know, pathways to uh, accumulate those skills uh, even before they're needed. So lots of different ways. Uh, it does require some proactivity on, on behalf of the student, and that's where I think institutions can really help, uh, you know, draw that path for students, uh, whether that's things like the, you know, career development courses that we are hearing at a lot of our partner institutions, Uh, You know, Georgia State, uh, UMGC have really done great work to to pioneer that and encourage students to, you know, bridge that college to career. Uh, But there's lots of sort of important pieces to the the conversation that, yes, do uh, require some initiative on behalf of the student, but students also don't know what they don't know. And so it's helpful for us to uh, really position ourselves as as uh, as higher education to to make sure that students are aware of of the things that they should know.
2: So Erin I'm gonna, I'm going to ask you a question here because you've been uh, a student of marketing for quite some, quite some time right and you went to Georgia State uh, and you you know now marketing manager at stepping blocks and we, you know talk about your skill you know how you get how you get did you learn the skills that that you use at stepping blocks from university or did you how did you cover that gap because the skills that you have we didn't have them, right? When you joined, I, and and I, I'd like to for you to share how that happened, because that actually it's kind of a uh, transition from closing the gap for an employer.
0: Um. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I feel like we hear this all the time, but if I had had stepping blocks in college, I probably would have gotten to this point a lot faster. I went to school for art history. Um, because it was something that I had an interest in. So I went to school for art history, and then I got a job doing nothing related to that when I got out of school. So everything in a traditional sense, a marketing sense, I did not learn at school, but I got my first job. And then I started volunteering for a nonprofit organization and I was writing. So I was writing and doing interviews that those skills, the writing skills and interviewing skills, um, speaking to people that, landed me a job in the advertising department at a newspaper. And so from there, I developed my writing skills and presentation skills and to speaking skills and to advertising and marketing skills. So you see the clear path, but it took a lot longer to get there than if I had learned those skills from the beginning and gotten a job in marketing straight from school. Um, So I would say since I've been here, I've been able to develop even more skills. So you're, you're talking about the skills that stepping blocks has now, I didn't have when I got here. So it's continuing education, knowing what's out there, knowing that things are constantly changing and really staying in tune to the industry that you're interested in, in terms of skills is really critical um, for students, especially when you're in school and just you know throughout your career.
2: So it, it's it's a great point, right? Because actually, since you're a Georgia State graduate, and we know Georgia State has a career to college initiative right now, where they want to, they understand that career paths need to be flexible, right? You went for history, but now you do something else. You know, I went for finance. Now I'm working at a lot of people, it, it just, you do move through your journey in so many different ways. Um and through those journeys, right, you have gaps that you cover, but you know you, you evolve uh, as a person. And I think one of the things that educators can do right now is kind of get ahead of the curve and say, how can we make, how can you make you uh, uh, a student that's skilled but it's also flexible? How can I learn these communication skills, but I can also learn things that are transferable, highly transferable and needed? If I understand the general gaps, like you must have these skill sets in order to move around. Um, and be able to kind of foresee where we're able to help. Because while at Georgia State, yes, I struggled at the beginning of my career because I could not get a job in finance. But years later, you know, I did learn a lot of the skills that I'm using. You know, I'm, I used in finance and I used right now in, from a leadership perspective, from an organizational perspective. But, you, but immediately I needed to get something to get a job, right? And I think you invest four years of your education, you do need some skills that are going to help you find that job. And if you don't have that, then, you know, you almost blame your school for not being able to give you that, but they can cover that, you know, they can, they can help you develop that. Uh, and I think universities now are kind of uh, held accountable to help the students through that because there are so many different options to, to cover that. So anyway, I think your journey is, is, is fascinating because you... I know that you went through writing, and now you're doing all kinds of automation, uh, SEO, a, a lot of different techniques that I, you know, we didn't, know, we didn't even know about when we started this. And you definitely, it wasn't in your resume at that point in time. And now it's like some of the highlights that you have, which has been a
1: great journey. Carlos, something you said in there that I do think is important, uh, perhaps as as the role of career services and even alumni engagement on campuses has changed, is how can universities help support those. Recent graduates who are thinking about uh, perhaps an early career change, or just finding you know ways to apply what they've learned after four years uh, to to campus, and and I don't know that we've always in higher ed thought that way, right? Uh, That perhaps our responsibility stopped (laughs) the day the student crosses the stage, but uh, certainly in in the modern world we live in, universities are, are being held accountable for for those metrics, but also I think have a bit of a moral imperative to continue to provide support and ensure that students are successful with what they've learned. Uh, and sometimes that that's a quick meeting with a career coach, or again, just more hands-on uh, resources and tools to ensure that they can get where they, they need to go and want to go, uh, especially if they've uh, you know picked up some of those transferable skills along the way and plan to do a, a, an early career pivot. Uh, as we know, our uh, millennial and Gen Z students are, are more likely to do, uh, hop careers a couple of times, uh, we know from research. So lots of interesting pieces there and, and probably an important part of the conversation for higher ed to think about as we continue to move forward. I, I think when
2: you, one thing you said there, Jacob, I think one thing that's exciting to me is that universities are opening up a lot more to graduation outcomes transparency, right? Which is, is a huge deal for us. Uh, it's important that universities are transparent about reporting how well did they do, um, and, and they're open to sharing the outcomes of their graduates, right? And they're able to identify whether they did well or not, and what are some of the areas that they could do a little bit better. Uh, where where they're doing really well, are they building great relationships with employers and opportunities for their alumni? And when you said building, what can universities do to help these recent graduates, right? If they have, a, if they have, they're able to get access to the information where they can help them identify. What are the top employers in my, what are the local top employers that are hiring? And if I can prepare my students to be hired by those employers or at least have the opportunity, that's a huge win, right? It's a data-driven win that uh, the employers can have. And it really is just a data problem that they can solve. Um, and, and if they really start understanding uh, the, those opportunities directly, uh, which we're seeing, some I, I can tell you, some, some universities don't like that. Some universities, when you show them the real truth of the outcomes, they're not very happy to see that, right? And some of them don't really want to display them because they, it doesn't. It's like, well, I charge too much money, and my outcomes are not, are not great, right? So uh, it challenges how transparent they can be about it. But at the same time, if they can see it, digest it, and see how they can be better, uh, that should definitely help them. I think um, the world is uh, now holding higher ed a lot more accountable where uh it is expected you know we're seeing a lot more universities publishing outcomes reports and publishing uh, publishing uh the what's happening with their graduates right after they graduate and where they are right now so i think the more transparency uh, in graduation outcomes the better the build the better and the bigger the better the trust the more trust that um, people will have with the institutions and and that's the way that they will eventually get better